Hello, this is Sean Bain from Yorkshire. And I'm here today to talk about the film Kess. Brendan and Jason couldn't find anybody from Kess who was still alive and willing to do this. So they sent me Sean Bean. You might remember me from such films as, was it Patriot Games I was in? I don't remember. And I was also in Hitman 2 recently, so play that. But today, my friends, are talking about a different film. This film is a British film. Which isn't actually that different, since they're all British films. But this one stars a fella who once got a blowjob from a hooker in his BMW. Folks, here we go with four weddings and a funeral. On for screen and country. Thanks, Sean. And you know what's uh, alarming? Bye, Bye Sean. Yeah. Oh, no! Oh, my God, Jason. He just died on his way out the door. Uh. Why does he do that? Every time. Every time. That's going to be a mess. He's uh, a big man. Even uh, a, even even introducing a podcast, <laughs> he managed to get manages killed to off. get killed somehow. Oh, that's a shame. Well, I mean, no, there's no 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 time to mourn. I'm Brendan. No, I'm Jason, and this is Full Screen and Country. And Jason, this is a podcast, an audio podcast, mm-hmm. in fact, in fact, where, where we talk about the British Film Institutes. Top 100 British films of all British time, which was the years 1900 to 1999. Yes. Uh, as we all know, and as I mentioned before, films from Britain stopped happening in 1999. So Correct. we are looking through their... Hist- we're going back, we're doing a review of British film history as a whole. It's an artifact. It's an artifact piece because right. uh, there are no longer British films. No. They have not made a single British film in the past 20 years. Shaun of the Dead was as American as apple pie. Yeah, absolutely. So hi, I'm Sean oh, of the Dead. Oh, see, a, that, that was my Simon. That Pei. was really good. Yeah, thanks. Oh wait, hold on, hold on. I got one. Nick Frost. I'm fatter. <laughs> you know, you're like a skinny Nick Frost. Wow, thanks. Yeah. So wow, we're just we're just wasting time like nobody's business. That's what we're here for. We get paid by the minute. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about a very special movie this week. But before we talk about this week's movie, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Let's talk about this movie. And which movie would that be, Jason? That movie would be 1964? 1969. 1969's Kess. So let's talk about Kess. We had right. some comments. We did. We had some comments from some people. What we got? Here's a big one, okay? All right. This is from Vincent Allen. All right, Vinny, tell us what we got here. <laughs> Come on, Vince, tell us what's happening. Uh, he says, I saw Kess many years ago, and we also read the book at school. It wasn't, at that time, the sort of book I'd have gone out of my way to read, but I thought it made an excellent film. And I was perhaps surprised to learn from an interview that the great actor Robert Duvall uh, th- says that it's one of his favorite films. As for whether it's bleak or happy, etc., because I kind of asked the question, kind of provoked uh, conversation, like, do you think this is like a really bleak movie, a really uplifting movie? So he says, for whether it's bleak or happy or whatever, because it's kind of both at the same time. The movie ends with him burying the bird, spoiler alert. But it, we talked about it last week. <laughs> but I mean, yes, but it's also like, there's also a message in there, though, about, you know, do you know, 
there is an uplifting message in there. It's just not Hollywood uplifting. I, I see it as a Brit- very British message of keep on keeping on. So anyways, this is as for whether it's bleak or happy, etc. Mm. It just seemed very realistic to me. Mm. I.e. it includes many of the major elements of life experience. Uh, love and affection, death, sadness, jealousy, family power plays, etc. I was at school in the 60s and early 70s, and there certainly were school PE t- teachers like the one in this. Yeah. Actually, I'd say the general story, the, like the concept itself, is probably timeless, mm-hmm. and I would be curious to know what what Chris Packham thinks of this film, given his intense relationship with animals. Not sure who Chris Packham is. Me neither. Is that maybe a, some sort of a British uh, Chris Kratt? Hello, you're Chris Packham in the wild. Mm. I think that's what it is. Oh, sure. All right. I'll accept that. Uh, Becca Lee's DeVoe says, I've seen it. I cried. I'm definitely going with bleak. Yeah. Topher Lundell says, bleak lifting. One ah, of the best. Good word. That's here's, a new word. Uh, here's one for you by Holden Martinson. Holden Martin says, oh, I love Cass. One of those formative coming-of-age pictures. The one scene that really gets me isn't the end, which is a heartbreaker, but the scene where Billy is in school, and he's being interviewed for what is essentially an aptitude test. The interviewer is asking Billy about all these things, like what he wants to, what he's interested in and what he wants to do when he's older. What's so great about it is how Loach doesn't overplay how fucked up it is that the kid has no future. It's that Billy has no concept of life beyond where he's living. David Bradley plays it with this bleakness. As if say, as if to say, having a life other than the one he has never occurred to him. He just looks at the interviewer like there's something wrong with them. Even today, that scene feels revelatory. Loach gets at this class divide with such a keen understanding of what that actually means for people who grow up not having many options, but also not aware that they don't have options. Great film. That's from Holden Martinson. Holden Martinson. Yes. Do you Holden? Holden I have to say the one thing that I have to say to any Holden, which is, what the fuck is the internet? Thank you. <laughs> and if you get that, you're our friend. And if you don't... I would suggest watching Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> you know, it's funny, because I was going to say, if you don't, I'm not going to explain the joke, and then you explain I the joke. I explain the joke. <laughs> I live on explaining jokes, Brendan. Uh, Matthew Cobb says... as and Finally, this is the last one. Matthew Cobb says, As a 70s kid in Britain, we all read the book through school and watched the film. 70s, so they were, they were watching another... Uh, when it was fairly new. On, on film reels, no doubt. Yes. Uh, digitally, like with your fingers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm proud that it's in our DNA now. A great morality tale on how not to treat children and ignore their uh, aspirations. And that's from Matthew Cobb. Hmm. I think... That, yeah, I, like, I really like Cass. I think it's... A, I think if I had grown up in that area at hmm. the time, I think it would have affected me deeply a lot more than it obviously does oh, yeah. as, a, as a white Canadian... Uh, living in, like, uh, born in the 80s, you know, growing up through the 90s. It is a movie that very much gets across its time and its place. Yeah. And, uh, but, but like, it is a story that is pretty universal. And for beyond. a film, and for a film that has, like, a sort of, like, I don't say dirty, but kind of, like, a grungy look to it, it it's kind of beautiful at mm. the same time. Oh, yeah, like, no, it is, absolutely. It's a gorgeous film, and it's a very low-budget movie, and I, I don't know, I think if you heard our episode last week, you know we both liked it, yep. so, I mean, fucking watch it, it. it. Again, it's not one of those movies that I'm going to get drunk and watch with my friends, but it is <laughs> worth watching, watch and Kiss. if you watch it, I highly recommend you watch it with subtitles on, just to make sure you get it all. Take a shot every time you feel like dying inside. There you go. <laughs> That's a fun game. Uh, so, Jason, we do one more thing here before yes, we sir. get going. We do indeed. What do we do, Brendan? We compare We compare this film to the AFI, and what I mean by that is Kess is number seven on the BFI. Very highly rated. 
And we're going to find out what number seven is on the AFI. We're going to compare, and I want to see what uh, you think. Uh, this might be difficult for you, Jason. I don't know if you know this movie. Okay. Number seven on the AFI is Lawrence of Arabia. Ah, yes. Well, I, I don't get. Say, I don't want to get too into it, because I mean, that will come up at some point. Kess but... is, a, is a very well-made film, but it does not feature Anthony Quinn. So, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say Lawrence of Arabia is the better film. I mean, it's a, kind of a hard... <laughs> Test. I mean, you got nope, a very. There's nothing difficult nope. about it. Anthony Quinn is not in Kess, and that is decided. Sorry, I don't mean a hard decision. I just mean like it's kind of hard for Kess to compete mm. with a, a a David Lean epic. Why is Lawrence of Arabia on the AFI list? But that maybe that's a question for a different podcast. I think we. I think we'll save it for Lawrence of Arabia. All right, let's do it. All right. Well, now we're going to talk about Lords of... No, wait, that's not not this week. Uh, All right, well, with that being said, uh, we're going to start this week's episode with Jason's favorite song of all time. Oh, God. Brace yourself. They're writing songs of love, but not for me. A lucky star's above, but not for me. We love to lead the way I found more clouds of gray Than any Russian blade Could guarantee I was a fool That's right, folks. Number 23 on the British Film Institute Top 100 of all time is Four Weddings and a Funeral, directed by... Mike Newell. Mike Newell, classic romantic comedy director. uh, Written by Richard Curtis. Oh, yes, I like him. Uh, Starring Hugh Grant. Yes. Andy McDowell, uh, John Hanna, Mm -hmm. Simon Callow, Kristen Scott Thomas Mm -hmm. is back. Yep. English patient. We all love Kristen Scott Thomas. Mm. And, you know, a bunch of other people. Oh, Rowan Atkinson, of course. Yes, of course. Rowan Atkinson, we can't forget him. And, yeah, so that is what we're talking about. It's the highest rated pure comedy we've talked about yes. so far. It is two notches above the full Monty on now, the list. before we get started with anything, I have to say that piece of music that we just listened to is the worst thing in this film. You don't like that song? <laughs> no. I hate that song. I hate the production. I don't hate the guy that sang it. He's got a nice voice. But the production of that song is one of the worst things I've ever heard. It is so super 1991. And this movie was made in 1994. Yeah. Um, it is awful. And when I started the movie watching this, I really was like, oh, fuck. Really? This is what I'm in for? This is going to be awful. And thankfully, I was way off base. Because this movie's great. Well, we'll well we're there. at a point of contention because I do like that song. <laughs> <laughs> So, after this podcast, we will have a physical fight. Okay. We're going to do it in the street. If you guys want to come, I will, let us know. We'll, we'll sell tickets. I will make the announcement beforehand in broken syntax to, to, let, to you know, uh, lend my respect to the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, which we'll get into. Yes. So, Jason, the four weddings and a funeral. Besides having four weddings and a goddamn funeral... Yeah. The fuck's this movie about? Well, Sorry I for can, my language. I can that's, that's a perfectly acceptable, Brendan. I am I am. Uh, this film is rated. This film is rated G. <laughs> this film blows its it blows its PG thirteen rating in the first two minutes. Fuck. Uh, fuck. 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 So let's just boil this whole movie down to one sentence. Two terrible people can end up miserable together. Okay, that sounds like you're talking about The English Patient. Yeah, well, I mean, this movie follows on, except this is a better movie, So, but we'll get there. So, our friend Hugh Grant, who once got a blowjob in a BMW, and the only reason that they noticed he was getting a blowjob in a BMW was when he was getting the blowjob in the BMW. He was pounding on the brake pedal, so the, so the BMW's brake lights kept flashing, and that's when a cop went over to check on it. Anyways, 
Hugh Grant is Charles, one of those 20 to 30-somethings, much like us, Brendan, who all their friends are getting married. So his Saturdays are spent going to weddings, because what else are you going to do? He's been to a lot of weddings. That's right. He's been to a lot of weddings. And he's going to one at the beginning of the film. In fact, he wakes up. He's late. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Gets his roommate up. She also is going to the wedding, and they take off in a tear to go to this wedding. Uh, Charles's friend Angus is getting married, and he is the best man. To the meringue known as Laura. Mm. Who they keep calling a meringue. Uh, Wait, Kristen was, Scott... was Kristen Scott Thomas Fiona in this? Yes. Okay. So, I just want to say, too, right off the bat, when she's introduced as call, as referring to the to the bride as, like, oh, she looks like a meringue, I thought, oh, so she's, like, the villain in this movie? Mm. But I was wrong. You were wrong. Very wrong. Is there a villain in this movie? No. No, there's not there really. Is, there's no one really that you can, like, full-on yeah. hate. There's people that are annoying, but none there's of them people that, that have, hate. They're people. They're just regular people. Yeah. So he shows up to the weddings, and he always is there with his friends, his group of friends, because various members of his group of friends are getting married, but then all the other friends come with. If you've ever been to a wedding, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so Charles, like Hugh Grant himself, is consistently befuddled and utterly charming, and really helps make this movie. But he's also a serial monogamist, we learned at some point. He he's just, a serial killer. He's a, yes, he's a serial killer, he murders women. <laughs> this movie is way darker than I thought it was. <laughs> uh, it's actually four funerals and a wedding. We, we, we and the wedding is him and a corpse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weird that Rowan Atkinson would marry them, but he was a beginning priest, so he had to take the work where he could get it. He was very nervous. He's very nervous. Um, no one would hire him. So, yeah, so he, he has trouble with the idea of marriage and has been through a lot of relationships because of it, because he doesn't want to take the plunge. Um, he's afraid of commitment, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. he's afraid of commitment. But at this wedding, you know, he's, he's doing the best friend thing and the best man thing. Even though Angus, we don't really, I don't think we even see him in the rest of the movie. We never get, we don't get a sense of a lot in this movie, Brandon. We don't know what he what Charles does for a living. Like, we don't know where he gets his money from, how all his friends can afford these insane weddings. I like that, though. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of nice. But it's all like, what, I mean, I, I guess it works into the fantasy of it all. But who goes to these nutso weddings Here's, all the time? Well, actually, you know, the thing about not knowing any a lot about what they do, yeah. I've got some stuff on that. Okay, so well, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll talk. About we'll get there. Um, so at this wedding, he first comes across Andy McDowell's Carrie, an American. So when you're a British person and an American shows up, you know they're going to fuck at some point. Uh, and C they flirt? See Hill, comma, nodding. Yeah, exactly. Is that on the list? Not on the list. Okay. Sorry. Weird. I thought it might have been. No, um, just one Hugh Grant movie. Just one Hugh Grant well, movie, unfortunately. Well, Paddington no, 2 might have been on here if they'd have made it because they don't make British movies that's anymore. Not, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> that's not true actually he's in another movie on this list but I don't think he's the lead okay I'll, I'll trust you on this one continue so they flirt they have a nice little flirt and, and he is, Andy McDowell's like oh maybe you come back you're not going to the hotel tonight you're going and he's like oh no I'm going to a castle for a party and she's like well I'm going to the hotel and so Hugh Grant doing something that now, fellas, honestly, we've all done at some point going out of his way for the just the, the merest possibility of getting laid. Mm. Going well, through, like, like, the, like when they drop him off in the forest, it looks like they drop him off in the forest, he's going to walk back to the hotel. To be, I, I'm going to be honest here, I have had points in my life where I've done shit like that to get laid, and even if it hasn't happened, I can relate. I relate to Hugh Grant in this situation. I mean, she's coming on strong. She is coming on strong, and especially when you're coming on strong, you're going to do anything you can to get your dick wet. Yep. Uh, so he goes, to the, he goes to this pub where he's going to stay, he meets, they have a chat. Uh, then some other guy shows up, and uh, uh, she's trying to avoid him, so Hugh Grant tries to blow them off. But eventually the guy like orders a bottle of whiskey, and they sit down. And then Andy McDowell sends him a note saying, Oh, your wife wants you back in the room. And then he goes up and he fucks it's her. A, it's a cute scene. And actually, the, the, the lovemaking scene has some fun dialogue. 
Uh, which oh, yeah, you don't get a lot in, in movies of like some kind of like charmingly befuddled dialogue in the way that Hugh Grant is charming and befuddled. Um, are you talking about the, so are you talking about when the, he goes up the actual sexing the actual having sex They're oh like and she's saying her. like talking about acceptable kisses at weddings yeah, yeah. and she's like what if I do this yeah. and he's like that's not acceptable but nah. yeah it, it was one of the more like genuine lovemaking scenes I've ever seen in a movie guys for that reason. seek out the audio book yes. of Four Weddings and a Funeral I narrate it <laughs> and it I, it's very sexy he got paid in a substantial amount of money for that and I don't know why I blew it all on a hooker that's right well, she blew it all on you, I guess. Uh, and then you blew it on her. Uh, <laughs> we're gross. We're very gross. We're so gross. So after they bone Brendan, Bones she up. pretends that they now have to get married. And Charles very nearly shits his bed because in his charmingly befuddled way. Um, <laughs> How do you charmingly shit the bed? He, but if anybody could do it, Hugh Grant could. Okay. Uh, but she's joking, of course, and laments that, uh, that they might have had something before she buggers back off to the States. Yeah. Uh, the next wedding they go to features Bernard and Lydia, which is a fun scene at the first wedding yeah. where where uh, Lydia is <laughs> complaining that she just can't find a man. She wants to have sex. She can't get laid. And Bernard's like, well, if you want to, I mean, I could. And Lydia is like, I'm not that desperate, Bernard. And then they just start. And then the next scene, you just see them making totally out. Totally making out. And, and then the, the next, next wedding, wedding is them. <laughs> yeah. And we should note right now, this movie literally, except for one sequence, mm-hmm. literally takes place at four weddings and, and a, a funeral. funeral. It should be called Four Weddings, a Funeral, and a Shopping Trip. It should be called Three Weddings, a Funeral, and then another wedding. Yes. Actually, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but they didn't want to confuse the audience. So the, so the next wedding, with Bernard and Lydia, uh, who clearly have a bit of hate for Charles for some reason, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, and they're married by Rowan Atkinson's priest, who's in this movie. Would you like to hear a little bit of Rowan Atkinson? I would Atkinson? like to hear a little bit of Rowan Atkinson, because I love the man. So Rowan Atkinson is uh, playing a priest in training. Priest in training. And he's very nervous, but he's a friend of the family, mm-hmm. which I believe... So he's either a friend of Bernard's or Lydia's family. Yeah. And this is, like, I think this is, like, his first wedding. Yeah. So this is just it a is. little bit of him reading along and, uh, you know, doing the doing the priest thing. Yeah. Bernard, repeat after me. I do solemnly declare, I do solemnly declare that I know not of any lawful impediment, that I know not of any lawful impediment, why I, Lydia, why I, Bernard, sorry, why I, Bernard Godfrey St. John Delaney, why I, Bernard Jeffrey Syndrome Delaney, may not be joined in matrimony to Lydia John Hibbert. May not be joined in matrimony to Lydia Jane Hibbert. And then, you know, he also, it's a long clip, I don't want to play the whole thing, but he also says, uh, uh, my awful wedded wife. <laughs> Uh, it, what's interesting about this for for Ron Atkinson? Because I'm a big Ron Atkinson fan. I, I've watched him in many things. Over He's the only years. done Mr. Bean, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting about this character is that he had a stage show, and you can find it on VHS at your local video store. Uh, it's called Ron Atkinson Live, and in that he does a a priest character that is way more condescending than this one. But it's very funny. Well, this one's more charming. Yeah, this one's more charming, yeah. and, and and because. At this time, in 1994, this is when Rowan Atkinson was best known for Mr. Bean. And you'll notice in his performance in this movie, there is a little bit of Mr. Bean. The in little his, giggle he does. The giggle and some of the reactions yeah. and stuff. Like, it's very much playing toward that end of his career. Now, if you like if you like Rowan Atkinson, watch throw your Mr. Bean out the window and go watch Blackadder. Specifically, or, Blackadder goes forth. Or Johnny English Strikes Again. Yeah, that's another option that you can do. <laughs> 
but no, Malakaders goes forth is one of the funniest TV series of all. But time. This is the wedding where Hugh Grant runs into all his exes, right? This is that's that's I was going to talk about that. Yeah. That's why I think Bernard and Lydia hate him. Uh, but we'll find out. That's here. one so, of my favorite scenes. Obviously. That is, yeah, that may be my favorite scene in the movie. So they're getting married. Meanwhile, Charles yet again runs into Carrie, Andy McDowell, who he finds out now is engaged to a fucking Scotsman named Hamish. Mm. Now I'm of Scottish descent. Why would she do that? He, clearly, because he's rich. But she should know a Scotsman is not going to spend any money on her. Come on. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, why would she marry him instead of me? Uh, well, I mean, that was implied. Okay, sorry. I mean, she is kind of cute, Annie McDowell. I'll give her that. She got. She. I don't, isn't she from the south? I thought she had a southern accent. I don't remember her ever having a southern accent, but I wouldn't put it past her because everybody okay. loves doing a southern. accent. Because I thought she had one like. For, no, I thought she had one, like, actually. Man, I don't, and I, don't I thought know. she was trying to subdue it in this movie. I don't know that I've ever heard her speak outside of a film. Groundhog, oh, yeah. Outside of a film. Yeah. Okay. Groundhog Day was a documentary. Great movie. Great, great documentary. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so yeah, here we go. In one of the funniest scenes in the movie, Charles is seated at a table uh, consisting solely of, he learns, his ex-girlfriend. Well, not that he learns, he knows, but we learn. Uh, <clears throat> and it's a very hilarious scene because they slowly all start to realize that they're all, and they start talking about previous girlfriends, and then a girlfriend will be like, that was me. Yeah. No, I don't have a clip of it, but my favorite thing is uh, him telling the story about his girlfriend's mother propositioning him, and he <laughs> didn't want to uh, turn her down because he thought it'd be rude. Yeah. And then they said, oh, you used to call them Miss Piggy and Mrs. Piggy, the mother. <laughs> and then the woman right beside Hugh Grant is like, we've lost a lot of weight. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's making some comment about like another ex of his that he called Duckface and he turns around and there she is standing there staring at him. Henrietta. <laughs> Henrietta. Who by the way is a gorgeous woman. She's a lovely woman. Yeah. They're all they're all not bad looking women. They're all very Especially attractive. Especially for 90s British women, they're doing okay. Wow. There was a very ugly generation in Britain. <laughs> it came of age in the 90s. I don't know. And Chris I'm is, just making assumptions. And Chris Scott Thomas as Fiona also gets asked if she's a lesbian. Yeah, and in and, and, and a very funny scene where the, the I love the woman's approach to it. It's like, are you a lesbian? And she's like, oh. And the woman's just like, well, that'd be a better story if you were. <laughs> yeah. And they're just asking, oh, I haven't found the right fella. And she says, I was a lesbian, but only for 15 minutes. Yes. <laughs> Which is a great line. Yeah. So, so Charles is at the girlfriend. So... He's at the wedding. Carrie, he, of course, he still has eyes for Carrie, but she leaves with her husband-to-be, and he's upset. So he goes off and finds a, a side room just to have a moment to himself, to collect himself, take a deep breath, maybe play with himself a bit. I don't know what he's doing in there. Uh, but then as he's in there, Bernard and Lydia come in and start making out hardcore and start doing more than making out. And he, of course, is in his befuddled, charming British way, is stuck in there. He can't just walk out and leave, but he also doesn't want to interfere, so he ends up... He, he finds a door and he goes out it. And then we later learn that he's not actually, he didn't actually go to a door. He went into the literal water closet where the sink is. Which is <laughs> a great bit because they don't reveal that right away. No, no. You, you think he's going out the you door. Think he's gone. Cut to about five minutes later or so. It's just a shot of him in the in the Basically crouching on top of the sink behind the door and the door's starting to roll open and he's trying to pull it back. And then eventually what does he do? He just finally gets up and leaves. It just he, like, he lets them finish. Yeah. Oh, found it. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, I found it." He has a pencil in his hand. He's like, "Hey, hey see you later," and then walks out the door. <laughs> yeah. Great scene. Very funny. Um, so he escapes out of the room, but then he's confronted by his ex Henrietta Duckface. They have a talk, and she basically accuses him of serial monogamy, and uh, that he needs to figure himself out or whatever. So he yeah, he's like, "Yeah, whatever," and then he's goes off. Does that mean he only he's only loyal to Sugar Crisp? That's right. Okay. He is only loyal to Sugar Crisp until he's only loyal to Cinnamon Toast Crunch until he's only loyal to Captain Crunch. Give us money! That's right. 
but but he does find Carrie. She's still around. Hamish had taken off to do whatever. I don't remember. Uh, I assume the... like Julie Christie, he's off to fuck some other woman. He went to Edinburgh. He went to Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Oh. Edinburgh. Don't say Edinburgh or they'll fucking slap you. He went to Edinburgh. You're the worst. <laughs> on, a, on behalf of the country of the skin flints that is Scotland, fuck you, Brendan. Edinburgh. <laughs> Uh, Carrie and him start hanging out and they immediately go back to Bone Zone together. Mm -hmm. So this is twice and she's cheating on her. So they're both pretty terrible people in this sense. She's cheating on her to be and he's happy to homewreck. I mean, I think her marriage to him is clearly a money thing. Well, yeah, or something. It's, it's clearly, there's clearly something else going on there. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. So yeah. later he gets invited to Carrie's wedding, of course. And sends along with the registry of gifts. So he puts on his little short shorts and his uh, fucking big fat party guy shirt and goes out to shop for him. <laughs> he is wearing a big fat party guy <laughs> he shirt. He really is. He's wearing a very, I mean, I, maybe this was an outfit in the 90s, but it looks like he literally didn't put any thought. He like, literally just got up out of bed and that was what he was wearing to sleep in. Well, I think I think that's also the writer of the movie wanting Hugh Grant to look a lot like, look more like a schlub. Yeah, well, he because, does look like a schlub. Because he's a sure. very attractive man. Very. And I think he wanted. Uh, Hugh Grant to make to make every effort they could into making him like less desirable. All he looks like is a a very attractive man who has a very poor sense of style. A very attractive man, a very attractive man, cosplaying as a non-attractive man. He is he is a very attractive man cosplaying as a big fat party animal. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. I know. I want to see Hugh Grant put on a ton of weight, <laughs> a la Robert De Niro and Raging Bull, That's and right. play a big fat party animal. Uh, I'm I will pay for that. I will kickstart that film. <laughs> Indiegogo. So, uh, so they meet. Actually, he's at the store shopping for her, looking through a registry, and everything on the registry is like at least a thousand pounds. And of course, whatever he does for a living, as we've discussed, he, we don't know. But he clearly can't afford a thousand pounds. And he runs into Carrie there. Weird, but yeah, that's a weird coincidence. So then she decides to torture him and takes him out to help her pick out a wedding dress. And that's one of those montages. Yeah, it's, it's one I of those yeah, montages of like... Uh, uh, like trying on the clothes, yeah. giving the thumbs up, the mm -hmm. thumbs down, making a reaction. But this is done a little differently. Mm. It's not so much like... 80s comedy. No, it's a little more. It's a little more subdued. It's subdued, and you could and, and you could tell that it's a little. It's hurtful a bit for for Charles because yeah. he, he likes this girl a lot. He may even love this girl, but he just and he's having to help her pick out a wedding dress for her wedding to a, a 75 year old Scotsman who probably is actually 30. He, he probably looks like he's 75. It's like he's she's almost she's. It's like the whole time she's almost daring him to say what's on his mind. Yeah. like she's almost saying like, "Look, I know you how you feel, and I'm going to keep doing this until you open your." And then he mouth. does. In his charming, befuddled way, he does. And I do want to play this clip. Yes. Because, guys, any impression you've ever heard of Hugh Grant, this Dead on. is <laughs> the this is the this is the beginning of it. Like yeah. this is the ultimate um This is the ultimate befuddled, charming this is, Hugh Grant this is the broken syntax. This is the equivalent of like Al Pacino in The Godfather for Al Pacino. This is like where all impressions are derived. Uh, maybe not The Godfather. I guess maybe uh, I guess Al Pacino's impressions are, these days are probably more derived from like uh, what was that movie where he was blind? Oh, Scent of a Woman. Scent of a Woman. That's because that's the yeah. one where he started going. Hoo yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> what's the one where he says, "Where does she fuck? Everywhere." Is that, <laughs> is is that, that the Devil's Advocate? Oh, oh, that sounds like Devil's Advocate. Okay, that's like Devil's Advocate. Anyway, <laughs> that, that's for the Al Pacino cast. Hey, we'll, we'll get that. No, so podcast. So here's the scene. Here's the Hugh Grant scene uh, where you can really hear every impression of Hugh Grant. Um, look. Sorry, sorry. 
Uh, I just, um, well, this is a really stupid question, and uh, particularly in view of our recent shopping excursion. But uh, I just wondered if by any chance, um, uh, I mean, obviously not, because I am just some kid who's only slept with nine people, but I, I just wondered, uh, I, I really feel, um, uh, in short, uh, to recap in a slightly clearer version, uh, in the words of David Cassidy, in fact, um, while he was still with the Partridge family, uh, I think I love you. And uh, uh, I, I uh, just wondered whether by any chance you wouldn't like to... Um, uh, uh, no, no. No, of course not. Um, I'm an idiot. <laughs> He's not. Excellent, excellent. Fantastic. I'm so, so, ec- lovely to see you. Sorry to disturb. Better get on. That was very romantic. The best is, uh, right after that clip ends, after she says it's very romantic, he says, uh, he says, yes, well, it's obviously very well thought out. <laughs> <laughs> it was like watching that scene, it was like, this is literally a scene from Family Guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, do... I mean, like, it's true. I mean, and... but, but it, it, that, that's not a shot against him. He's great. No, he's that. great. Like, I honestly, like, we're kind of glossing over this, but Hugh Grant is fantastic in this movie. Oh, yeah, he's absolutely it's, fantastic. And, and, and he needed this before, He needed this movie, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Also, he mentions that he had only slept with nine people because at some point, they, like she is talking about how many people she slept with, and she literally goes through every one yeah. and describes, it gives at least a sentence about that person. 33? Turns out 33. You sucked 33 dicks? No, but that's the question. It's like, <laughs> did she only suck 33 dicks or did she suck more? If, if she's <laughs> fucked 33 people, that means she's probably sucked at minimum 16 dicks. Wait, are we doing that rule uh from american pie which one where they said if some girl if some girl tells you she's had sex with two two guys it might be four no no that's a rule of three it's like they times whatever they say by three yeah yeah you know american oh pie, so she's had sex with 99 you know, people is what you're saying you know american pie american two pie on two. the bfi oh god yes i haven't seen that movie in a long time it's Stifler time. time, baby. Sean William Scott coming soon to for screen and country. <laughs> He's got to be in one of these. Yeah. Uh, so where were we here? We, we got distracted. Well, there. after we said Andy McDowell had sex with 99 people. Oh, yeah. And, and probably sucked at least 37 dicks. Jesus. Uh, 36, including me? 37. 37. Clerks should be on this list, too. Yeah. British film. British films. Kevin's. By the way, they're gonna. I Kevin th- Smith is doing a reboot of Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, but it's gonna be like a spoof of reboot. So I'm excited for that. Just want you folks to know. I would love this job. It, it wasn't for the fucking customers. Oh, these fucking customers. Uh, Here's <laughs> some boats and a sandwich. <laughs> We're right. gonna need a bigger boat. Salsa shark. <laughs> okay, keep going. I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> All right. Blimey. <laughs> So he confesses, as we heard, uh, but it can't happen. No. She's getting married, whatever. She so a peck on the cheek. Our third wedding is Carrie's wedding. And among other things, Charles' friend Fiona herself confesses her love for Charles, that she's always been in love with Charles. And that is a... It's another clip? No. But yeah, no, it, it is a heart-wrenching scene. For is, anybody who's ever had an unrequited love in their life, this is one of the realest scenes in the movie. It's heart-wrenching, and it's also like, yeah, and it, it, it takes... For a second, it makes you go, right, he's not necessarily the only one with this problem. Yeah, absolutely. And you really believe, like, Kristen Scott Thomas, I think I thought her, like, she's, I, as much as we make fun of the English patient, she's yeah. great in that movie, oh, she, but I think she she's even better in this movie. Oh, yeah, like, no, I is. think she is, like, uh, she just, 
it takes a, a small amount of screen time yeah. and makes a lot out of it. Yeah, she's one of my one of my more interesting characters in this movie. I was I was always kind of following her because I wanted to see what happened to her yeah. in the course of watching this movie. Which I paid four dollars to watch on the PlayStation Network, so you better thank me, you fucks. I'm doing this for you. Who are you talking to? The audience. Okay. All thirty five of you. <laughs> <laughs> Literally dozens listening live. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so let's see here. So da 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 so they're at Carrie's wedding. Fiona confesses her love, and, and clearly it's not reciprocal on his part, but he's very nice about it. Um, uh, yeah, and then during the wedding... Uh, so we have to go back for a second. We haven't really talked about the, we haven't really the, talked gay, about the, the, gay, the gay couple. couple yeah. uh, which uh, John, Gareth... John yeah. Scammell? No. John Hamill? <laughs> no, no. Gareth played by Simon Cowell. Yeah, Simon Cowell. And Cowell? Simon... Callow. Callow. He's great. Not Callow. Not the judge from American Idol. No, okay. Simon Callow. Yeah. Uh, Simon Callow playing Gareth and John Hanna who plays Matthew. I was watching John Hanna the whole time being like, who the fuck is this guy? I know who he is. Was he in Indiana Jones? It's Jonathan from The Mummy. Uh, that's exactly what it was, Jonathan yeah. from the Mummy, and that's why I kept thinking it was an Indiana Jones movie. But then as soon as as soon as I looked it up, I'm like, oh, that's why I kept thinking of him in Sand. They're they're two it. of my other favorite people in this movie. Yeah, they're, they're and they're all great. But yeah, this was an interesting because 1994 again, like we talked about the Full Monty having kind of a positive portrayal of a gay couple. This I one had this, a much more prominent uh, positive portrayal. Yeah, I think this one. Couple. I think that's this one has a, even like a, a more positive. Yeah. I mean, Full Monty. I'm not saying Full Monty was negative, but no. they kind of glazed over. Yeah, a little there, bit. Was, there was only a few little choice scenes. This one, they are characters throughout the movie, and they are a couple throughout three quarters of the movie and they um, they influence a lot of decisions too yes uh, Matthew does Gareth's yes. just kind of fun loving well Gareth is having fun and being his out loving self and they break the stereotype though because as the gay characters mm. you'd think they'd be like the, the, the more like sentimental sentimental but Gareth and... is not at all Gareth is just a party animal Gareth makes fun of like when that folk couple the folk duo the is folk singing singers. at the wedding <laughs> and he's just like wants to kill himself yeah. like you know what I mean yeah, it just wants to get Matthew is definitely and... more in that regard, yeah. uh, a, a, a sentimental guy, and Gareth is very much like the, oh my god, this claptrap. Over the top, very, almost Brian Blessed in his personality. He has uh, a great line personality. about someone's dress, about like, the colors, <laughs> it must be a symbol of your Christianity and your pagan uh, worshipping coming to, coming to grips in this wedding, and Scarlett, <laughs> uh, the girl he says to is just like, yeah. Anyway. But, unfortunately... Uh, despite the fact that this that we have this really positive portrayal of a gay couple we have to go back to one of the old tropes which is you kill your gays and <laughs> Gareth that's literally you look it up on TV tropes it's called kill your gays it happens in a lot of movies happens in this movie Gareth is partying and having a good time but he takes a massive heart attack I think and, yeah. and basically dies on the floor at the wedding now I don't know about you Brendan but when I was watching that scene my thought was why is no one going to a phone to call an ambulance because no one seemed to be doing that. Did they get a doctor immediately? They, they found a doctor, but the doctor can only do so much. They got to yeah. get him to a hospital. Yeah. They don't even do that. And then he has to go out. And then in one of the more heart wrenching scenes, he has to go out and tell him. And in, in the scene, yeah. So um, Charles yeah. Hugh Grant goes to tell Matthew that while his, the wedding is still happening. Yeah, well, that his 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 boyfriend yeah. has his just, husband really. Is, yeah, are they married? No, but, but I mean, in the sense that they're not married by the state because you couldn't back right. Then. So I mean, his his lover, his yeah. his boyfriend, his husband, whatever, goes to tell Matthew uh, that he just died, yeah. and you don't hear any of it. No, it's all like because you all you can hear is the people singing and partying, and you just see it's so the acting is all about the facial expressions, yeah. and it makes it even more. He's great, gut wrenching. He's good. Everybody in this movie's great. Yeah. Um. So then we get to the funeral. Thus, the guy that dies, and then we have the funeral that the movie. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Was talking about. 
So you want to play? You gonna play a little I, bit of uh, his speech? Yeah, I do. Uh, because I actually this got me a little bit. Yeah, this was this was. It's a, a very it's a very heartfelt speech. So uh, Matthew goes up. Okay, something about this part though. Mm. Did you notice that when I know we're still talking about the plot, but when so they have Garrett's funeral. Yeah, and Matthew's obviously there. All his friends are there. When they introduce Matthew, they say Garrett's close friend Matthew. Yeah, I thought that that well, that's and I wonder if that is because the wedding is being presided over by a C of E priest. Mm. And he doesn't want to be like his lover, his husband, because they're a church and, you know, they have a real... I mean, I, I think CV is okay with gay people now, but maybe 25 years ago they weren't as much. May, so to use that euphemism of very close friend when they were really just, they were fucking. I wonder if, too, it's like a family thing because all the family was there. I wonder if it's like... I mean, I wonder maybe. If, I wonder how open their relationship was yeah. to everybody that wasn't their friends. I was kind of hoping that Matthew would be like, uh, this man was more than my friend. Well, he kind of he yeah. kinda I mean, you get that. that from the speech, but we'll hear some of it. Let's listen to some of the speech here. Eulogy. Perhaps you will forgive me if I turn from my own feelings to the words of another splendid bugger. W.H. Auden. This is actually what I want to say. Stop all the clocks. Cut off the telephone. Prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone. Silence the pianos and with muffled drum bring out the coffin. Let the mourners come. Let the aeroplanes circle moaning overhead, scribbling on the sky the message, he is dead. Put crepe bows round the white necks of the public doves. Let traffic policemen wear black cotton gloves. He was my north, my south, my east and west. So, I mean, that speech is really good. And there's more of that too. It's just, it is a bit of a long scene. But I do want to ask you, up to this point, so you knew there was going to be a funeral. I mean, it was in the title, the title of the movie. Did you have a prediction on who that would be, as to who that would be? No, I didn't even, I didn't even, I mean, I figured it probably would be, end up being one of their friends, but I, no. I actually thought it was going to be Matthew, mm. because he was the more solemn, kind of world-weary guy, yeah. maybe, and I thought maybe, oh, losing him is going to be like a huge, but also losing Gareth is like the life of the party, too, yeah. so it's also a big loss. It's but a big I, effect to their friendship and their friend circle. It changes well. a lot of things, and yeah. it also causes this scene coming up here, as we get into the further into the plot, I don't know if you have this next, but it does happen directly after, yeah. well, is where Hugh it. Grant is talking to Tom, yeah. who is apparently the seventh richest man in England. His buddy Tom, really? <laughs> yeah, because he says something about how, uh, you know, Branson's up there, but... I'm the I'm, I'm the seventh. I'd say I'm like seventh richest. Is that, is he, has, his... he has that castle. Oh right, is yeah. is he's the one that drives the Land Rover, or who drives the Land Rover? I'm not sure. Maybe it's him. No, Tom's the one that he hasn't gotten married. Yeah, but yeah. he's all, but he's super rich. Yeah. But anyway, they're having a discussion about and and you know Hugh Grant's like, oh, we're never gonna get, uh, you know, we're just single and we didn't we were all we all celebrated being single and you know. Right under our noses, these two were basically married the entire time, like uh, Gareth and Matthew. And, he, and you know, Tom has a very uh, straightforward notion. He says, you know, I'm just hoping to find someone who doesn't think I'm annoying and can deal with looking at me, and uh, maybe then I'll settle down and get married. And that that is, uh, and I don't want to sound cynical, but that is literally the essence of what I believe a good relationship is. If you two can tolerate each other, tolerate the bad shit about each other, you're going to be okay. Yeah, and, and Hugh Grant even says, like, Oh, I guess I never thought of it like yeah. that. <laughs> this is okay, okay, I made a mistake here in my notes. I wrote, last funeral turns out to be Charles's to some mystery woman. I actually meant wedding, but it's actually not that <laughs> far off. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's actually called Three Weddings and Two Funerals. Three Weddings, Two Funerals, to and a pizza place. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait. Has a funeral to some woman. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's getting married to a corpse, like we said. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so when we see the title card, we don't see the name. It's covered by a flower, it's but it has clever. an eye in it. It's clever because the eye is in both names. Exactly. Uh, well, actually, whether that a name is Carrie or Fiona or, or Henrietta. Henrietta all have eyes. I also thought... The hills oh, have eyes, I, Brendan. <laughs> I also thought it might have been Fiona. Yeah, exactly. I thought I that thought was a possibility. That would have been an interesting way to end it. Wouldn't that have been a more crushing scene, though? Oh, man, if he'd have abandoned her at the altar? Fuck yeah, that would have been that would have gone into dark territory. <laughs> Under Siege 2. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Steven Seagal shows up. I'm going to marry these people. This is getting off the rails. <laughs> Some podcast about Under Siege 2. Uh, <laughs> Coming so, soon on the BFI. So, in the course of, of this, we learn that he's actually getting married to Henrietta, a.k.a. Duckface, the woman that told him he was a serial monogamist and that he made fun of her and made her cry. Which which she says, uh, which she, remember when she says Fiona refers to as Duckface, and he's like, I've never heard that before. She walks away, Fiona walks up, literally says, how's Duckface? <laughs> it's one of my favorite bits, too. It's a good bit. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Carrie shows up to the wedding. And that, of course, sends Hugh Grant into, or sorry, Charles, into a bit of a tizzy. Especially when she reveals uh, that Hamish and her have divorced. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. It what didn't just, work out. just didn't work out. Uh, so Charles is, is like, he's stunned. He's, he's having a crisis of conscience. And he goes in to talk to his brother, who we haven't mentioned yet, but his brother is deaf. And yeah. can speak sign language. I like the relationship between the two yeah. of them. It's it's interesting. a nice relationship, and it's not like it's not like a, a less Hollywood... antagonistic than many brothers. It is, and it's not like it's not like a Hollywood thing where he's just super nice to him because he's a deaf guy. Like they're brothers, he makes brothers. fun of him. Yeah. He lies to him, but what yeah. other people say sometimes, yeah. <laughs> which is it's it seems kind of cruel. But I mean, I think they just have that kind of relationship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're and he's great, um, but he confesses to him what he's going through. That he's, he's not sure about this and, and, and his, his doubt, I suppose. Um, and he's like, he runs into the priest and they have some words and whatever. And he's just, he's really hard on this. But the wedding has to go on. Everybody's like, the, the bride ends up getting held up because they're like, oh, we just have to move some people around. And meanwhile, he's back there fucking around. Finally, they get him out onto the floor, out onto the church. A lovely church, by the way. And I can't imagine how much money it would have cost them for this wedding to use this famous church in England. That I know I've seen before. I'm sure the Queen has given a speech there. I'm sure not much because you'll hear when we get to the All budget. Right, we'll get there. Oh, maybe they had some deal with the government. Yeah. <laughs> um, so during the ceremony, the priest comes to the part. Does anybody object? And what's his face? His brother basically sticks his hand up and is like, you have something to say? And then <laughs> he signs to Hugh Grant so Hugh Grant can translate. And basically, Charles admits... He's in love with another woman. Mm-hmm. He uh, he basically drags it out of himself. Which I feel bad for Henrietta. Oh yeah, terrible. And Henrietta rightfully just fucking levels him with a punch. Just lays him out there on the altar. Which yeah. he, again, deserves totally. Deservedly so, definitely. Yeah, for, uh, but I mean, it's good that he's getting out of a thing that... For that, sure. But, I mean, maybe you could have done a little earlier before it, the wedding had actually been planned. Yeah, it's a delicate situation. This is only ten months after <laughs> the last funeral. This is, this is funny too, because even Fiona, who hates Henrietta, we didn't really dwell on that a lot but she hates henrietta and even after that she's like oh that girl didn't deserve that <laughs> yeah so they're back at the house after the wedding they're all trying to kind of kind of comfort him support him even though he you know blew this all and up. that's that's the bit where uh he tell his his deaf brother is saying oh they all blame me and and they're like no 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 no, 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 no. looks at him he's like they no do. they do they all blame they you, all blame you. <laughs> but i think his brother knows though yeah he's probably got a smiles and, yeah yeah um so the doorbell rings and he assumes it's fiona and somebody goes again he's like no 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 
If there's you music mean, to be faced, I'm the one that's going to face it. You mean he assumes it's Henrietta? What did I say? Fiona. Oh, yeah. No, Fiona's in the room. Yeah, he assumes <laughs> it's Henrietta. Yep. He opens the door. It's not Henrietta. It is Carrie. And she is standing in the rain. And they have this beautiful moment together, which there's a thing that Andy McDowell says in this scene. Uh, she says, is it still raining? I had noticed. And a lot of people, I've, I've read about a lot of people singling it out as one of the worst line readings of all time. <laughs> I want to I wanna maybe, maybe we'll ask. let you decide. Yeah. Wait, it was, it was all my fault. I mean, I, I, I'm the bastard here. And it definitely sorted out one thing, which is marriage and me were very clearly not meant for one another. Sorted out another big thing as well. There I was standing there in the church and for the first time in my whole life I realized I totally and utterly loved one person. And it wasn't the person standing next to me in the veil, it's the person standing opposite me now in the rain. Is it still raining? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> it is not a great read. No. <laughs> uh, and she is a little awkward through it. The, the, the better line in this is when she, she literally says, have you ever been so wet that you can't get wet anymore? Which you wanted as the original title. Which I think should have been the title. And Brendan, Brendan pointed out that that was very wordy. And I said, look, Hugh Grant was in a movie called The Englishman Who Went Up a Hill But Came Down a Mountain. This wouldn't be that and, crazy. And that was a huge success, right? A massive, massive success <laughs> in Bulgaria. Uh, <laughs> yes, bringing up the Bulgarian box office numbers on Box Office Mojo right now. So these two terrible fucking people kiss in the rain, and then they live miserably ever after. Well, because he basically he says, "Can we agree to never get married and just be happy together?" And she's like, "Yep, yep." The and end. then the movie ends. Yep. Very kind of conventional ending to this uh, sort of movie, but these two terrible people found themselves. <laughs> I think you're going a little far with them being terrible. I think they're awful. Uh, conventional, yes, but I do like the fact that they put in that thing about never getting married. Yeah. That saves it a little bit. Yeah, because otherwise... if he just had gotten, suddenly gotten married to her, it'd be like, what the fuck was the point of this whole thing? It's it's five weddings and a funeral now. <laughs> because otherwise, this is a very um, Hollywood ending for a movie that, up to that point, hasn't been very Hollywood. No. So, yeah, yeah, Hugh Grant has, like I say, I, I say they're terrible people, but a lot of it is that they, they're real people and they have, like flaws and and things about them that aren't very nice what a what a concept i know it's amazing isn't it would you like to hear hugh grant talking a little bit about the movie and how yeah, he did the role i would actually okay here's a little clip this is actually from about a year a year or so ago uh one of those videos where actors talk about all their roles basically all their biggest roles so obviously this one came up oh okay i got the script and i thought well there must be some mistake my agent has sent me a good script so i rang them up and i said i think there's been a mistake you sent me a good script they did that once before actually with jerry Maguire. And I said, I think you, 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 there's a mistake here. And they said, yes, sorry, that is a mistake. That was meant for Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, with four weddings, it was meant for me. And anyway, it was only an audition. And I went along and, uh, and I auditioned among the Muppets. They were all around me. And I remember thinking, this is going quite well. The director looks like he likes me, but the writer really hates me. And that was Richard Curtis. And he admits he, d he did hate me. He uh, had a completely different conception of that part. He'd written it in his own image. He thought it was him and didn't think that it should be someone who he thought might get the girl. He thought it should be more like him, more kind of nerdish with glasses. Anyway, he was he had his arm twisted, and yeah, I got the part. The haircut became quite popular, yeah. With some, I always hated it. The haircut and the clothes, the clothes are meant to be terrible, and the haircut's meant to be terrible. 
Shortly before we stopped shooting that film, at one lunchtime, they said, OK, everyone, all the crew, into this room, we're going to show you some cut footage of what we've shot so far. It was meant to be morale boosting. And uh, it played to sepulchral silence. Nothing has ever been worse, except for Rowan's bit. Rowan's bit got a laugh. But the rest of it was just abominable. And we all trudged back onto the set, broken men and women. And we remained in that mood through finishing the film, through editing it, through the first look at it, we just thought, well, we're all going to have to go and live in Peru. And then they had this screening in Santa Monica in Los Angeles, and, and the audience loved it. So I want to talk about the little bit of background of this movie. Okay. So the writer, Richard Curtis. By the way, i got to say, Richard Curtis, also creator of Blackadder, I believe, one of the main writers on there. That's probably the reason why Rowan Atkinson was in the movie, because and they were they friendly and worked together a lot. Well, on that note, I didn't know that, so I'm guessing that Rowan Atkinson also did it for a much lower fee than he probably would have charged someone else. Because, I'll tell you what, mm. Hugh Grant made $50,000 to play this role. Which, you know, in 1994, as a working actor, nothing to sniff at. I mean, this was his first huge role, wasn't it? Uh, 50000 today. Oh, adjusted for inflation. Yeah. Still, again, that's higher than scale. It's a pretty good paycheck, but, I mean, it's too bad he didn't have some points on the back end of this thing because he would have made some real coin. Well, this is, this is the thing. So Hugh Grant's career was pretty much on the toilet before this movie came mm -hmm. out. He almost was ready to give up acting. You know who almost played Charles? Alan Rickman. Alan, Alan Rickman. Rickman? Yep. Wow. Uh, I mean, he could do it, <laughs> but it wouldn't be the same, that's for sure. Early choices for, you know, 1994, so I mean, he would have been a little bit younger, but still. Uh, early choices for Carrie were Gene, uh, Gene Triplehorn, who actually almost played the part. Who's Gene Triplehorn? What was she in? Uh, Big Love. The TV show with yeah. Bill Paxton? Yeah. I didn't see it. She's the, okay, I don't know what else. She's All in right. a bunch of stuff. Uh, so she was, like, ready to go and had to pull out at the last second. I think a family member had passed away or something. Okay. Uh, Marissa Tomei. Was another one. Had she won her Oscar by that point? A couple years before that. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And uh, the other one of the other choices was Sarah Jessica Parker. Do I you mean, want to know what they almost called this movie? With some alternate titles for this movie because it, it almost wasn't. I'm so wet. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I haven't been wetter. No, unfortunately. <laughs> but because because a lot of people, a lot of the executives thought the title Four Weddings and a Funeral" was terrible. I like the title. It's fine, but I, I, I can see why somebody might think it's a bit generic. I I think it's uh. I think it's kind of funny in like how glib and straightforward it is. But here's what they wanted to call it. You ready for this? All right. True love and near misses. Ugh. Loitering in sacred places. Ugh. Skulking around. Okay, that made sense, given because they have that whole line about like, oh, do I skulk? I don't skulk. It it, it does, but it's still terrible. It's still bad, but it makes and sense. You ready for this? This is mm -hmm. the most Hollywood title. Yeah. Rolling in the aisles. Ugh. Good God. <laughs> Why do we let these people have jobs? These Hollywood executives. Because they have money, that's why. So, so anyway, the background on the, on the more background on the movie. So, writer Richard Curtis, who later worked with Hugh Grant on Notting Hill mm -hmm. and a couple other movies. I think he might have done music and lyrics. Mickey Blue Eyes was he in that one? I, I don't think I don't so. Know. Hugh Grant's in it, but I don't. think I was he talking did. with my one of my coworkers tonight. He said Mickey Blue Eyes was his favorite Hugh Grant movie. Interesting. Yeah. Strange choice. He's a weird guy with some weird choices of, of favorite movies. He's the reason I watched Johnny Dangerously. Well, I mean, he can't, be, movie. he can't be all bad. <laughs> so uh, the writer, Richard Curtis, and the director, Mike Newell, uh, kind of had a very interesting relationship. 
So Curtis said he was always more interested, so the writer was always yeah. more interested in going for the laughs mm-hmm. whenever possible. Very funny writer. But Mike Newell kept stressing that it was very important that no matter what the laugh or lack thereof, that it remained true to the characters. Yes. So he was more about, he directed, he didn't direct, direct it like a comedy. Mike Newell directed it like a drama, basically. Yeah. If you watch the movie, there's not a lot of like goofy cuts or, no. you know... Uh, the comedy's all in the dialogue and the characters. No double takes, no like quick zooms, like Benny Hill style shit. Like none of that. Not not that many. No, there was some quick zooms. <laughs> uh, even Hugh Grant said he had kind of had a hard time with Mike Newell's direction, uh, because he thought that Mike Newell was kind of playing against the comedic beats of the movie, and he didn't understand why he would play it a certain way. He actually thought too that he himself was atrocious in the movie. He said, mm. and. He didn't understand taking direction from Mike Newell to talk in "quote unquote" broken syntax. So mm. it's like that whole thing where you're like, uh, no, give, no, us, no, no. "Give us an example." And like, oh, well, I was, I was, I was going to tell you. Uh, I, I, just, I just wanted to say that, that perhaps maybe if if you and me and and maybe some other people got together and then we could have, a, I believe it's called a key party or <laughs> so, fishbowl. And 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 he also like uh, also <laughs> obviously he was told to nerd up yeah. his look, um, which is hard to do when you look that pretty. Hugh Grant was... It's almost like uh, She's All That. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, oh, what really. do you do? I don't know, put glasses on? Put glasses on and put your hair in a weird haircut, and then you'll look like some schlub. It's like, no, this man's skin was perfect. His mouth was a perfect shape. His eyes were a perfect blue. It's like, there wasn't... I mean, and, and Hugh Grant still looks great today, but in 1994 was prime Grant. Just like 1965 was prime fucking Christie. Prime Christie. Imagine if prime Christie and prime Grant got together and fucked. What kind of movie that would be? What kind of baby would that be? Oh, 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 we don't even want to think about that. That baby's the next Hitler because nobody would say no to it. <laughs> Why did you have to bring that into it? I, well, I mean, we, we had talk about whether you would kill baby Hitler this week. Ben Shapiro defending baby Hitler. Um, I just want to say that oh, I would rather see baby Hugh Christie Jr. <laughs> I like how we're suddenly getting so so topical. <laughs> Let's Fuck about, you, Ben Shapiro! Let's talk about Ben Shapiro's latest episode. Don't even. Fuck that guy. Uh, so anyway, I also wanted to say that uh, Hugh Grant was also suffering from hay fever throughout the whole shoot. Is that why he did have sort of a nasal, nasal sound to him? So the budget was incredibly tight for this movie. Maybe that's why there was so much ADR that I noticed. If he maybe he was stuffed up and they had to like do ADR in the scenes. That's possible. <laughs> but the budget was incredibly tight for this movie. So much so that they had Rowan Atkinson act as the vicar for two weddings. Because yeah. he's the vicar in the first wedding too. Uh, so that they, and that's just so that literally only so they didn't have to hire another actor. They literally could not afford to hire a different actor. Hugh Grant's manager actually held up the production a bit because he was supposed to get uh, I think it was like they were gonna pay him forty five thousand or something, and his manager held them up for an additional five. So I well, mean, he wanted to buy his guitar uh, at the guitar store that cost five thousand dollars because he got five thousand dollars. He got five thousand dollars. He got five thousand dollars. Not sure. Not a Wayne's World fan. Okay. Oh, Whatever. I don't remember that part at all. Yeah, they get they, they get the advance on their show and they go and they're singing. We got five thousand dollars. Jason, then they go and buy the guitar. Do you got your bathing suit on? No. Because we need to deep dive into this movie. Oh, okay. Let's do it. I, so, we you mentioned um, that you don't know what these guys do for a living. Yeah. That is a conscious decision by the writer. Apparently, he wanted it to be framed, aside from the scenes where he uh, Hugh Grant is with Andy McDowell, tra- looking at the wedding Poorly dressed gowns, shopping bit. Yeah. Dress shopping, stuff like that. By the way, that whole thing feels to me like a Hollywood add-on. 
because why would that why would that sequence be in the movie? Yeah. It doesn't. It feels out of place. Yeah. And I feel like the movie they wanted it to actually be the weddings and the funeral. But it, anyway, maybe they reg- wanted one more, like just another interaction to have. Yeah. Regardless of that, because it's um, the second time they fuck. Is is in that no. specific scene, isn't it? No, no, no. They've yeah. already they've already done it the second time before that. Oh yeah, because they sure? do it at the second. They do it the first wedding, the second right. wedding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what he wanted to do is he wanted people to be watching this as if they were at the weddings and the funeral. And apparently, it's a very British thing yeah. to not pry yeah. uh, into that sort of thing. So he said, because Richard Curtis, I mean, he had been to seventy two weddings in five years. Ugh. So he was very well versed in exactly what goes down at these things. Yeah. And he noticed, like, in American films, obviously you can't show everything, whatever. But he noticed that wedding portrayals in American films, maybe except for the deer hunter, because that's like a two-hour wedding scene. Yeah, it's a long wedding scene. They leave out a lot of stuff that he found most interesting about weddings. And I think one of the things he said is, you wouldn't know who these characters were. Mm. You wouldn't know what their job was. So his idea was to kind of get a sense of the characters through what they did, how they acted. How so they were... as if you were a guest at the wedding and didn't know them specifically. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you, you kind of get a get a sense of their character from how they act and what they do and their customs and all that stuff i like to also to uh, the movie opens literally by saying the, the name of the production company that says invites you yeah i like that i like that that was a nice move on their part a uh, little detail i have written down that the first lines in this movie are fuck 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 also, you'll notice when the person is making breakfast, you can tell it's a British breakfast because, like, it's a full English breakfast because he's got fucking tomatoes in the pan. It looks delicious. It does look good. Except for the eggs. We we, we kind of glazed over this, too, but at the beginning of the movie, it's a great little physical bit where Hugh Grant, not only does he get to the first wedding late, but he's mm. also the ring bearer, <laughs> and he doesn't have the rings, have the rings. and they don't do it in, like, that Hollywood movie thing where a thing where it's like, oh, I don't have the rings! Ah! You know, like, goofy, like, slapstick. He, he It's very subtle. He just reaches for his coat, kind of reacts a bit, reaches later, turns back, mouths just one person... Uh, who mouths to the other Matthew. one? Yeah. They they kind of do like this little train, and they're all really close friends. And I think in this scene, it really like kind of that's all you need. Mm. It tells you right there how close everyone is to each other. And they they give them rings, but of course one is uh, Char- uh, Scarlet's little like hippie ring, yeah, and the other one is like a skull ring. Yeah, the <laughs> so, skull ring was great. <laughs> so, they, so they exchanged those instead. That was great. Um... I don't understand. I mean, maybe this is just me, and maybe I don't know the full meaning. But why did they sing Jerusalem at the wedding? That's a very that seems like a rather sad hymn. And did those things in ancient times walk over England's mountain green? I know that's a traditional kind of British hymn to sing, but that's it. Just seems weird and at a place at a wedding. But I don't know. Maybe they do sing them in England. English people, if you're listening, if any of you are English, let us know. Uh, and not that you speak English, you have to be English. Please. I love how much casual smoking there is at the wedding. Uh, it made me sad because I couldn't—I don't smoke in my apartment, so I couldn't join them. But uh, in those old days when you could just smoke anywhere, God, those were good times, Brendan. Those were better times, Brendan. You should quit. I really should. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, I like. Okay, so and 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 this movie, like we talked about it too, but it's a lot more. It's not very Hollywood. Up until the ending, it's not super Hollywood. I mean, it's kind of predictable. Like, you kind of know where stuff's going. But I like how they try to keep stuff very realistic. Like, I like the dancing scenes at the wedding. Because mm. nobody dances well. Yeah. If you watch, like, Gareth is probably the worst dancer. Yeah. 
And Matthew... Well, certainly the most enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. But even Matthew says, like, the first time I saw Gareth dance, I thought there would be casualties. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he is, just, he is just a storm of, yeah. of craziness. And, and alcohol. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, this is the first time you see the couple dance, like, their first dance, incredibly awkward. Mm. And not well done at all. It's not like those movies where everybody suddenly is, like, dancing in rhythm. You, you know what I mean? With the yeah. beat. And I just, I like little things like that. I also wanted to point out... The bride getting drunk, too. That's yes. a very realistic thing. Oh, absolutely. Saying she yeah. loves every single person, especially the people she doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the husband saying, she's drunk. Well, um, I hope she is. <laughs> Did you notice that there was a scene, I think, I don't know if they're getting their picture taken, but I think Charles is standing with someone on stairs, and in the lower left of the stairs is what looks like a dead old lady on the bottom of the steps. I assume she's passed out drunk, but she just looks like she's a dead old lady right, on so the is, stairs. Is this your dead munchkin wizard of oz theory absolutely that this lady was dead and they found her there but they just left her there for the shot or the uh three men and a baby tom Selleck yeah. theory oh one side character that i really really like mm. and by side character i mean he's literally in two scenes yeah but he has this little thing just the, i love this is a great british humor where hugh grant's going to do his best his best man speech at mm. the first wedding and uh he sits next to an old man and he says what's your he's like what's your name and he's like my name's charles he's like your name isn't Charles. My brother's name is Charles. He died twenty years ago. No, and no. Hugh Grant says, "Well, it must be must be another Charles then." And he's like, <laughs> "I would I would know Charles. He was my brother." Yeah, yeah. That's what he's <laughs> and then later, and then later, he arrives to the last wedding, yeah. and they're like, "Bride or groom?" And he's like, "I am neither." And I think you obviously. Know that. <laughs> <laughs> Just like it's it a great little bit. I want to know more about this guy. He was great. Um, at the second wedding, I wanted to point out too that. Uh, Tom's attempt to do a best man speech where oh. he just starts roasting. He's roasting the groom's exes and sandbagging the groom is like, that would be the most fun I would ever have at somebody else's wedding is watch that awkward and, and wasn't disaster it, go down in flames. And it's night it's it's night and day because you see Hugh Grant's speech yeah. on the first wedding and it's funny yeah. and it's kind of roast. Funny, charming. It's got the right amount of roast that you would expect in a best man speech. Yeah, but he literally at the second wedding, Tom was saying like, "Oh, he used to date some hags. Oh, some of them are here tonight. Yeah, oh, there's like, Camilla. Fucking yeah, <laughs> so great, it's so fucking." And and Gareth is having the time of his life. So are you? He's saying, loving it. Are you saying you'd be the Gareth at that wedding? Just yes, laugh. I would be laughing so hard. And I would be drunk John, and laughing and fucking John Hannah and having yeah, definitely and and having him tell me stories about working on the mummy, <laughs> which he did not make yet. <laughs> I do like... Okay, yeah, this is another little British humor thing that I really like. I mean, we can talk about the jokes all day, yeah. but I do want to mention this one. Because Hugh Grant is just exasperated, even at this first wedding, watching... Uh, Charles is watching Carrie dance. And he says, uh, he says, oh, he's like, is there any chance of, like, at a wedding of... A, a, I could just go up to a woman and be like, hey, babe, I'm Charles. This is your lucky night. And Matthew is like, well, if you could, you wouldn't be English. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I think, like, Matthew's supposed to be Scottish, right? He's very Scottish, Okay, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Which I think was funny. Well, a Scotsman would do that, but then they wouldn't want to pay for the date. <laughs> Come at me, Scotland. I'm waiting for you. By the way, I don't want to I don't want to blow your mind, but first, the we did Clockwork Orange with Malcolm McDowell. Mm-hmm. Our last movie, there was a gang leader named McDowell. Yeah. This movie has Andy fucking McDowell. Oh, my God. What's going to happen in the next movie? <laughs> oh! Wait. Are we is uh is is coming to America on the That's list? That's right. Because we're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> oh my! What do you think? Okay, do you, uh, answer me this question then, Andy McDowell. Do you think she is good in this movie? Because this is a debate. She's fine. This is a debate. Hmm. 
that a lot of people think she's miscast. Uh, I mean, I think she does. She does her best. I mean, I don't think she's the standout in the movie. But no. I, you know, I, I like Andy McDowell. I've enjoyed most of the stuff I've ever seen her in. I wouldn't say she's the perfect person for this movie, but she does. You know, she does the best she can. And despite, and outside of that end scene, I think she's pretty solid. Yeah, I think she has her missteps mm. at times. Um, and I also don't know what she's doing with her accent because I feel yeah. like there's something that keeps slipping. Speaking, okay. I, I noticed, this is a detail that I noticed multiple times. It doesn't necessarily directly have to do with this, but I want to point it out before I forget. So, uh, Kristen Soth Thomas' character, Fiona, she smokes. Yeah. And I believe she must smoke unfiltered cigarettes. And the reason I noticed this is because every time she lights a cigarette, and you'll notice this in the movie, she, she when she pulls the cigarette out, she immediately takes her ring finger and her thumb, and she reaches into her mouth and basically pulls tobacco off her tongue. Like, just kind of pinches off the tobacco. And she does it every time she lights a cigarette. Now, I don't know if Kristen Scott Thomas was a smoker at the time, and that's just how she automatically did that, but or if it was a choice she made. I mean, also, who smokes unfiltered cigarettes in 1994 that isn't 80 or dead? I don't know. But apparently she did, because she was pulling fucking tobacco out of her mouth. So, I mean, good she detail. Was, she, she, was, she was wearing all black, too. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, she's a lot more colorful. She's very colorful, yes. And also, Mary... She had Will Smith's jacket that was inside out from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Also, we didn't mention that at the end, when they... The, the end of the movie has a photo montage. Yeah, the photo montage. Who does she did marry Charles. Who does, Prince Charles. Prince Charles. By the way, you saying that out loud just made me realize that it's another Charles. Yeah. I didn't even put yeah. that together. No, and, and what's funny, and of course, contextually, I think 1994, this was after Diana and Charles had separated, but before yes. he had hooked, or before he at least publicly was acknowledged as being in a relationship with Camilla Parker Bowles. So she's, you know what? That, people always like to shit on her, but I'm willing to defend her because she must be lovely. There must well, be I'm, a reason why he fell in love with her over this insanely beautiful uh, uh, princess that he was married to. There must be something about her. So I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. If she wants to come to dinner, Camilla, we will do it. I know you listen. I know you love podcasts. I know you want to hear our perspective. Please, Camilla, come to dinner with me and Brendan, and we will talk about Four Weddings and a Funeral just with you. Sorry for banging on the mic. What were we talking about? C Camilla Parker Bowles? Yeah, she's a lovely lady. Uh, uh, yeah, and you know, as long as you pay for dinner. That's right. Well, I mean, she should. Come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wrote that there's no delayed fuck in this movie. No. Uh, a lot of rom-coms have that delayed yeah, fuck well, where you're it's, waiting it's, for them yeah. to hook up. That's it. And it, it, so many rom-coms, that's the arc of the movie, is the is the the step toward fucking. But that's not... No, it's not that. Because they fuck right out of the gate. So the arc is toward toward them having something, having a relationship, finally finding the right time to be with each other. Which, apparently, for Hugh Grant, is shortly after he has abandoned his uh, bride at the altar. <laughs> I guess my issue, if I have any issues with this movie, because yeah. I like this movie a lot. Me too. I mean, Way more than... I, I did not expect to like this movie really very much at all, because I'm not a big rom-com guy, but it's really funny. Uh, like, like spoiler alert, obviously we'll get into a little bit more about why we like it, etc., etc. But yeah, I do like this movie a lot. I, st I, have a bit, I have a bit of a hard time believing the attraction between uh, the two leads, even mm. though, I mean, they're both attractive people. Yeah. But I don't see how him just seeing her, he's instantly like, oh, unless unless the movie is trying to tell us that he sees her and he just thinks she's hot at first and he just wants to bang her. I like to think in that world, he has a celebrity crush on Andy McDowell and he meets this girl, Carrie, who looks incredibly like Andy McDowell. And he's, he's a big Groundhog excited. Day fan. Loves Groundhog Day. It's a great movie. Watches it every day over and over. <laughs> okay, fine. You win this round. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, can I say, uh, I mean, I'm going to read another joke, but I have to say it because yeah. it's one of my favorite, it's another one of my favorite bits. Uh, 
So when he's talking to Henrietta, who is the girl he almost marries in the final scene, she, she says, she talks about how he always used to think she was dumb. Mm. And, and she's like, you did. Remember, I thought you too was a submarine. And his answer is, well, in a way you're right. The music has a very naval quality. <laughs> That's such a great line. <laughs> I'm like, what? What does that even mean? What does that even fucking mean? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, though, to be fair, I think a U-2 was a U.S. spy plane, so she at least was in the right ballpark of it being a vehicle. Right. I like that, uh, uh, okay, so uh, all the all the weddings start with the... the invitation. W- the invitation, yeah. It says the wedding of whoever and whoever. And the one with uh, Carrie and Hamish, did you notice that all the other ones are sunny and bright? That one, there's literally thunder and lightning sound effects when yeah. that comes on the screen. It's the only one. Mm-hmm. So what else? Like what? Else, what? Else, what else? I mean, you've got stuff there too. I don't want to. I don't want to leave you in the dark there, Jason. Uh, what, what do you get? I don't want to put did you, you in a closet. That there was... Like I don't. I don't want to be Daniel Day Lewis locking you up in a closet. Did you notice that there was almost no people of color in this movie, except for one specific prominent shot at the funeral of this black dude who's just like looking real sad. He must have known uh, Gareth, but it's like the only black guy that shows up in the entire movie. Yeah, I mean, it's you know upper class British posh. Yeah, I'm I not mean, super surprised, but yeah. I just you know, but in 1994, you know, if they remade this movie today, they might uh, mix it up a bit. Yeah, I think so. I think I think maybe you know what? I think maybe Gareth or Matthew would have been uh, a person of color. Yeah, maybe Charles. Yeah, maybe Andy McDowell. Yeah. Maybe writer Richard Curtis. I, yes. Uh, I don't believe Rowan Atkinson got enough due in this movie. Not that the movie was about him, but I feel like his character could have had a bit of an arc to like where he maybe did the last wedding and he was like super good at it. Okay, I, I can tell you, I'm pretty sure the reason is budget. Okay, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I, I only I had think, him for X number of days. I, I think, yeah, I li- think literally they had him, because he, like you said, this was around the time Mr. Bean started to explode, yeah. right? So I think the thing with him was he did it as a probably as a favor to Richard Curtis, yeah. probably for not very much money. Oh, no doubt. And he probably said, I can do three days or four days or whatever it was. So he did the absolute most he could possibly do with him. Because, I mean, if you take out Rowan Atkinson's scenes... Mm. You don't really lose much. You don't really lose any story. You just lose lose the joy of getting to watch Rowan Atkinson do what he does best. Right, and even like Hugh Grant said in that clip, he was the only one that got a laugh when yeah. they were doing the preview of some of the of some of the footage. I, I just want to say about Rowan Atkinson, from what I've, everything I've heard about him, he's like Peter Sellers, and that he's one of these people that oh, is so fucking funny, but in real life he's just very serious. I hope that's the only comparison point he has with Peter Sellers, because apparently Peter Sellers has some skeletons in the closet. I imagine. Uh, I'm just saying, as far as I know, Rowan Atkinson, he's very serious. He's even said himself he only laughs like once every two or three months <laughs> who keeps track of that well i guess if you laugh that little you must you must I just guess. by default right anything else you'd like to say about the uh the four weddings and the funeral that's a very beautiful song uh what is it called it's called lick my love pump oh right sorry spinal tap no we're doing a four weddings and a funeral spinal great tap movie is not on the list uh i just want to say watch this movie it's a great watch oh. get your girlfriend get your boyfriend get together We'll get to that at the end. <laughs> Do you have any other notes about? No, no. I think I think we've pretty much covered everything I said. Uh, other than, like I said, they seem to be not that nice of people. Ultimately, like, like I mean, it's, I mean, they're charming and there's some charisma, but if you really like break it down of how they act, it's like they're not really that good of people. I think they're more realistic, though. They are realistic, absolutely. I, and I think here, here's another thing too. We talked about the full Monty focusing on kind of like the lower class yeah. of uh, of Br- of Britain. This is definitely the upper class. Maybe upper middle class. I wouldn't go so far as to I mean, say Tom that is the seventh richest Tom, person yes. in England. Yes, like they yes. they go to party in a castle. Like okay, I'm pretty well, sure. I'll give you that then. I think it's a, maybe not top top upper. I mean, class. they're not at a royal wedding. No, but they're. I mean, she marries Prince Charles. That's true. 
But we don't get to see that wedding, unfortunately. No, fortunately, Prince Charles. We see a, a terribly not photoshopped, but I assume like cut and like physically cut and pasted picture of them together. I mean, I don't think it's meant to look great. <laughs> <laughs> it's still pretty funny. But anyway, um, one thing. I, yeah, so I, one last thing I want to say about the movie before we get into kind of the critique and all that stuff. Uh, Richard Curtis, again, the writer, talking more about him than Mike Newell, but honestly, he had a lot to say in this movie. Yeah. But he wanted to find a way to make these people relatable. Mm. So the problem is you have all these upper class people, right? Yeah. And it's hard. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to make a movie about a bunch of upper class people without just making everyone look like a bunch of stiffs that, mm. that, that are kind of unlikable. Yeah. But the way he does it, I think he kind of explains is... He kind of makes them mock themselves yeah. in a way. Like even when they go, when they're going to have that party at basically that castle, yeah. they even say like, "Oh, we're going to a castle." I guess like they're just kind of making fun of it at yeah. the same time, and they're mocking weddings. Like you know, Gareth is the biggest, the biggest one. He's almost like our entry point into yeah. the movie because he is laughing at all the stuffiness and the folk song duo mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. The ridiculousness of a wedding that is not your own. Yeah, and and. <laughs> Yeah, and he's very much like, and I think that's how you're able to kind of like these characters. Because I think I like all the characters. Because I don't, there is no clear villain in this movie. Mm. I don't think there's any villain in this movie, no. except for maybe the institution of marriage by the end. Of the yeah, movie. yeah, pretty much. But, but, then, <laughs> but then again, everybody gets married. Yeah. in the end. Uh, so Jason, were you taking notes I, I, for for your own uh, for my own wedding, nuptials. upcoming wedding? Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Uh, I am going to have Hugh Grant. Just come to the wedding and and, and then and then run off with my wife. And, and you were uh, inviting all the listeners to uh, your your big your big day, right? Absolutely. You guys come on down, bring gifts. Uh, don't bring physical gifts, just cash. You want uh, a statue that's five thousand dollars? I want absolutely want a statue that costs five thousand pounds, thank you. Sorry. But we'll say we'll say like eighty five hundred dollars. Sure. Um and I want a <laughs> I want a dingy old Land Rover to drive away in. <laughs> Well, let's talk about what happened after this movie came out. Let's talk about how kind of successful yeah. this film was. So it did make $245 million. On a budget of? Well, the budget of the movie, Jason, I'm so glad you asked, yeah. was approximately 3 to $4 million, 3 to $4, 5000000 million. Well, it was 2.8 million pounds, so I would say probably 4 to 5, yeah. yeah. 4 to 5 million bucks. And again, made $245 million. That is insane. <laughs> that is a, that's, what is that, a? Uh, like a thousand percent return. A lot of percent. Yeah, that is a crazy. I mean, and you know, yeah, a low budget movie that was, and it, was it essentially launched Hugh Grant's career at that. Yes. Point. So that, that again, like we said, Hugh Grant was basically at his lowest point before this movie came out, and he also in that in that interview, uh, there's another clip later where he talked about how he says, you know, this is the genesis of the Hugh Grant performance, and he's yeah. like, and uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I'm not sure which he said. I brought it into other performances, and I'm still not sure if that's a good thing or not, but you know, I have, and whatever. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about the Oscars. Yes, this was a big year, 1994. It was. So, it doesn't win any Oscars. No. But it gets nominated for two Oscars. What did it get nominated for, Brennan? It gets nominated for Best Screenplay. Okay. Yeah, but, Richard Curtis, writer, well, well regarded. Makes uh, good old uh, British uh, filmmaker Quentin Tarantino. Wins it for Pulp Fiction. Hard to hard to compete with Tarantino on a screenplay. Quentin Tarantino, yeah. yes. And it's also nominated for Best Picture. Oh. But it, it loses to Forrest Gump. Yeah, what else was nominated that year? Uh, I don't know. 
I'll tell you who was nominated for Best Picture that year, Brendan. Good! So, so we said Forrest Gump won, Four Weddings and a Funeral was nominated, but we also had Pulp Fiction, yep. a fucking Stone Cold classic, Quiz Show with Robert Redford, which movie. is a great movie. Yeah. I love that movie. It's a yeah. great movie. And uh, The Shawshank Redemption. That was a hell of a year. <laughs> that was a hell of a year. Well, as for lasting legacy, it's hard to argue Forrest Gump. I mean, that's a that is a that is a fucking solid lineup of movies. Forrest Gump, Four Wings and a Funeral, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, and The Shawshank Redemption, all in one year. I mean, and Quiz Show is not as well remembered as the other ones. No, but like I said, it's still a great movie. You could argue easily for Shawshank or Pulp Fiction yeah. or. Uh, Forrest Gump. I like Forrest Gump, but I think obviously I think Pulp Fiction and Shawshank are way more deserving of this particular. Oh award no, yeah, this but year, I'm just but... I'm just talking about if you're if you're talking about movies that have won Best Picture and have a legacy yeah. still. Oh, Forrest yeah, Gump's yeah. definitely in that. Absolutely. By the way, don't go see Robert Zemeckis' new movie. It's terrible. Oh no, which one is that? I mean, it's not terrible. It's iffy. What is it? Uh, Welcome to Marwin. Oh yeah, I heard that wasn't. Good. It has it has issues. Issues. I've I've been told to watch the documentary about that guy rather than to watch the movie. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, however, Jason. Oscars be damned. Yes. At the BAFTAs. Yes, the ones that matter. <laughs> the British Academy Awards. It picks up the following awards. Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Best Director. Mm. Best Actor for Hugh Grant. Yes. Best Supporting Actress for Kristen Scott Thomas. Very nice. Glad to hear. Uh, but it also was nominated for uh, five acting nominations in total. Wow. So besides Hugh Grant and Kristen Scott Thomas... Also nominated for Simon Callow, who plays Gareth. Good. John Hanna, who plays Matthew. Fucking right. And Charlotte Coleman, who plays Scarlet, who we never really talked about a lot, but she's yeah, that she's, quirky... Is she his roommate? I thought when the movie opens that they had slept together. Yeah. But I think, yeah, she's just his roommate. But uh, we didn't really talk about her a whole lot. And actually, that actress has since passed away, so it's kind of oh. sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she she was also nominated for a BAFTA. Did you know that they're making a short film this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, where I mean, I don't gonna... know. I'm just I'm going <laughs> to let you continue. They're making a short film this year. Yes. The characters reunited. I mean, all the living actors are coming back for this. Four weddings and a funeral. Yep. Wow. And they're doing a. Uh, it's going to be another wedding. Twenty fifth. And it's called a red nose wedding. Oh. And they haven't revealed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's for uh, it's for uh, uh, red nose day. Red nose day. Yeah, charity thing. Yeah. So they're they're having uh, a wedding between two of the other characters. They haven't revealed what's gonna what that's gonna be, Ooh. but uh, yeah, interesting. I'm, I actually I I actually want to see that. That's oh, and we should note too. Despite uh, Gareth passing away, uh, Matthew does find another. He does. Yeah, we see so that. So that was kind of nice. He does find a he does find a new fella. At least they gave him a happy ending. You know. Yeah. So let's you know, we come to the end here. So four weddings and a funeral is number twenty three on the BFI top one hundred of all British time. And it's our highest ranked pure comedy. Mm-hmm. So I mean, for me, I think it's a I think it's a very like no frills comedy. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of uh, stuff I would cut. Honestly, yeah. it's pretty tight. Even though it runs almost two hours, kind of yeah. does delve into a Hollywood ending by the end of the movie. But it still kind of stays honest with the fact that they don't get married. Mm-hmm. They, if anything derails this a little bit, I find like sometimes their relationship. It's a little bit unbelievable, and I think Andy McDowell is a little wooden, but... I mean, overall, I really like this movie, and I'm not sure where it ranks for me right now, but I... Like I said, I really like it. Um, what do you think? I, I Like I say, this movie surprised me at how much I liked it. Uh, that There was some really good belly laughs in it. Is that I where mean, your belly laughs? Yes, it does. And when it laughs, I know it's a good movie. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, I, I did not expect to like this movie as much as I did, and I'm glad I watched it. It is very funny, and I highly recommend it to anybody that likes movies about weddings, about funerals, or movies that have Andy McDowell in them. So, Groundhog Day recommended. Groundhog Day recommended, as well as this movie and that other movie that I would always see in DVD bins, Green Card. I've never seen it, but it must be good because she's in it. I thought you were talking about Green Book for a second. Yeah, Green Book with Andy McDowell. You know, Viggo Mortensen drives her around the South and people hate her for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, get why these, I don't get why all these people don't like you just because you're abroad. <laughs> I don't really understand the message of that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> you can't be a woman in the South, I'd say. Jason, what goddamn time is it? Oh, is it that time already? It's that time. All right. So we've, we've established you should watch Four Weddings at a Funeral. And the book is closed on that until next week when we talk about the comments. But for now, it is time for me this time. That's right. To roll these dice. Brendan, since you blew my dice last time, or I blew your dice, would you blow my dice? Well, we should we should say what we're doing, just to clarify for people. When we roll All right, this well, dice... this is your first time listening to the podcast. What we do is that we roll I, the dice... If uh, it is, how dare you! Two D10s, one Sorry. of which is a 10D10 and one of which is a single D10. Uh, we roll this D10, and then whatever comes up, that's the movie we watch on the list of 100 movies of all British time. Maybe we'll get Carry On Up the Kyber, who knows... Or we're going to get something real dark and real sad. Oh. But we're going to see what happens. Are you ready? It's either going to be Whiskey Galore or Gregory's Girl. Here we go. It's going to be 18. That would be my birthday, November 18th. We're on 18. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy. What do we got? We're in for uh, a heady one. Yep. Uh, 1944's. Henry V. Oh, good. Directed by Laurence Olivier. Ooh. So. Ooh. You know what? It had to fucking happen. We had a comedy, and now we're going into fucking Shakespeare. Shakespeare. <laughs> fucking Shakespeare, man. Yeah, dude. So. But, but Henry V, I think, is the one that has the famous St. Crispin's Day speech, so uh, that'd be cool. Is Henry the is Henry the Crispins Fifth? are pretty good. Is the 80s version like, of Henry the Fifth with Kenneth Branagh on this list? Wait, too? that's Crispers I'm thinking of. Oh, uh, yes, they're very tasty. Uh, the same no, Crispers it is, taste. It, it is not. Okay. No Kenneth Branagh on this we, at all. We happy few, we band of brothers, I think, is what he says in that speech. He's in band of brothers? Yes, yes. Laurence Olivier. <laughs> they digitally put him in in the same way they put him in Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Perfect. Yes. So that is what we will be covering Woo! next week. Henry V. Oh. Wow. It's going to be a doozy. You know, I'm, I'm going to say this This is another one, much like English Patient. I, I think it's going to feel a little bit like homework. We'll see. I mean, uh, I've never actually seen a production of Henry V, so at least I'm going into it kind of fresh on that aspect. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Hamlet, I've seen Roman Juliet, I've seen Julius Caesar, but... I mean, we still have two versions of Oliver, Oliver Twist to get Absolutely. through on this list. Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully back to back. How many versions of Hamlet? One. One? Okay, good. But, uh, I mean, that is going to wrap it up here. So... With that being said, mm -hmm. God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screen and country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Will you marry me? I've never been so wet. I feel it in my finger. I feel it in my toe. Love is all around me. And so
You didn't look that... You piece of shit. You cocksucker. Hold on a sec. Let me just ask Siri. Nope. Don't trust that bitch. Siri, what was the budget of the film Four Weddings and a Funeral? Here's Four Weddings and a Funeral. That's not helpful, Siri! So I was out with this girl the other night, and she said that she hated Star Wars. Can you believe that? I could top that. My latest date told me he didn't like black and white movies. What? Do you have a movie deal breaker? Is there a film you love so much that if your significant other didn't like it, it would be Splitsville? Well, we're dating hosts, Greg and Lauren, and in our podcast, Movie Date Night, we introduce each other to our favorite movies and see if our relationship can survive. And if our partners appreciate the movies as much as we do. Find us wherever podcasts are available and follow us at Movie Date Night on Facebook or Twitter to talk movies with us. Hey everyone, it's Chris and Mike from The Recasting Couch, the podcast where we take our favorite movies and discuss what they would be like with new actors in all the lead roles. Hey Mike, tell them where they can find us on social media. You can find our website at therecastingcouch.com or on Twitter at RecastingPod. And of course, you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Android, or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. Yeah, if there's a service that's not posting our pod, you let us know and we will rectify that immediately. Damn right. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody.